0: out of hand if you believe it today. Thank you, Trey. Um, I don't know if some of you know this, this year, um, I turned 40 this year. I turned 40. I hit 40. Some of you are clapping. Thank you. It's a great achievement. 40. 40 means, um, you know, you start getting a little sensitive when college age people call you sir. You don't like it. You're like, please don't call me, sir, if you're in college. Because you kind of feel like, you said, man, he really looks like 28. I appreciate that. And, um, but something that you realize when you are 40 is that if you want to keep on going strong, then you're going to have to do some things. You know, I never understood. My dad is in the crowd, but I'm not calling him out. Uh, I never understood um, you know, when I was younger, my dad used to get out the car, and he'd go, ugh. He'd get in the car, and go, ugh. I noticed myself do that the other day. I had a few back things going on. I got out of the car, and I went, ugh. I got back in the car, I was like, ugh. And I was like, I judged him. God, I, I'm asking for forgiveness right now because it has come on me. My biggest, um, my biggest goal of this year is not grunting, getting in and out of the car. <laughs> if I accomplish that, I've accomplished a lot. But this is what I've noticed. When you get older, you're gonna have a little bit of, uh, you're gonna have some, some injuries and different things that you have to tend to, and if you don't tend to them, you're not gonna be strong moving forward. If you don't stay dehydrated, it's funny, Lee and I went to go take a walk. Not a run, a walk. And it took us 20 minutes to stretch before we ever took a walk. Because we know, we know, we need to be hydrated. We need to be stretched out. We don't need any injuries. We want to go for the long haul. How many of you want to go for the long haul? I want to be running around. You know at at an older age because we took care of right now we want to remain healthy we don't just kind of want to have you know how many of you want to stay young you just want to stay young listen even if you get older you're young at heart right (laughs) and uh, it's like Joshua and Caleb Caleb was 80 years old and said I'll take that mountain he was not scared of mountains because he had a young heart and really, it is the truth when it comes to our spiritual lives. We want to go for the long haul. We want to be faithful for the long haul. But it's going to take some spiritual stretching. It's going to take some spiritual hydration. It's going to take some spiritual motivation. And those are the secrets spiritually to remain faithful. And I want to give this to you today. I want to give you four, three R's for remaining Three R's for remaining. And this is the first one. If you want to remain faithful, then you must remember. You must remember. Remembering God's promises renews our spirits and gives us a fresh perspective. If you want to go for the long haul, you got to remember God's promises. You got to remember what he promised you to do because if you don't, if you don't, you'll find things distract you, and when you forget your, his promises, a lot happens to you. Say, a lot. a lot. Now, I say a lot because it's a play on words. Abraham is a person that was known to be faithful to God, and Abraham was considered righteous because of his faithfulness but God called him to leave his family's country and go to a land that God was gonna show him, but to leave all of his family, but he made a mistake and he took his nephew with him and his name was Lot. His name was Lot. And over time, Lot became a big headache because Abraham wanted to keep some of the familiar with him going into something new. And a lot of times in our life, if we want to be faithful, if we want to continue to have that fire, that faithfulness with God, sometimes God will call you to let go of those things that are not healthy for your life that are familiar. And God wants us to remember his promises because when we start to focus on his promises, then the lots actually leave our lives. See, a lot of times we focus more on getting rid of things in our lives than remembering God's promises. And when we focus on his promises, the lots naturally leave. So in your life, don't focus on what you're not doing. Focus on what he said and what you're not doing will handle itself. So if you're focused so much on the fruit and not the root, you're gonna go nowhere. But if you focus on the root that this is my foundation, I'm gonna remember what God said, I'm gonna keep my eyes on what his word says, then the things that you can't get over will fall off your back. And I'm here to tell you today that God's got a great plan and the trip ups that you have and the addictions that you have and the things that you feel ashamed of. Listen, this is the great thing about fellowship, it's a bunch of fellas in the same ship. If somebody in here says they don't deal with anything, they're lying to you. This is what we all have in common. Without our eyes on Jesus, we are susceptible to anything. And so quit focusing on the mess up and start focusing on what he says and the mess up will fix itself. We always say, don't try to get it right and come to God. Come to God and he'll get it right. And so remembering, remembering God's word. You know, Abraham did something that we have to learn from. This is how he remembered. When God spoke to him something, he would do something, he would create something called an altar. Say, altar. God would, he would create an altar to remember what God said. So when God spoke to him and gave him vision, he created an altar. When God got him out of trouble from Pharaoh and he saw the mercy of God, he made an altar. When God provided him with a a, a ram in the thicket, he made an altar. I bet there's a time in your life that God got you out of a jam. I bet you there's a time in your life when God provided when there seemed like there was no way. I bet you there was a time in your life that God gave you vision and a word and a spark in your heart. But this is the secret. If you want to keep it, you got to remember it. Because the Israelites got out of Egypt, but the problem is Egypt didn't get out of them. The Israelites wanted to go to the promised land, but they went through something called the wilderness, and this was their mess up. Not that they weren't perfect, but they forgot what all God did. They would forget. And because they forgot, they went around in the wilderness for 40 years that took a four-day journey to get in the promised land. Is there some things in your life that God says, I want to begin to get out of you and get you into the promise because I want you to begin to see who I am. I want you to begin to come to a place to remember what I've done. You know, one moment of praise can get you further than you can get yourself to. And, and we have to learn to remember. Say remember. remember. So I want to encourage you to make altars in your heart. What does that mean? That sounds spiritual? But it actually means this. It actually means this. What did God speak to me? What did God say? I want to encourage you to write a journal, write things down, because in hard times, you can ask Leah and I, we will go back to what God says. And what God says will trump my emotions. The problem is we uh, listen to our emotions more than what God says, and that can get you in trouble. But if you go back to what God says, and you go back to what God's done, if he did it before, he can do it again. Man, how many of you in here, God's been faithful to you, man? Man, I've even had words of encouragement that people will, will call and text me and say, I feel like God said this to you. I will write it down i write it down, I have, a, I have a list right here that says words from God. I even have a timeline, a calendar that goes back to the day I got saved and I'm able to go back and say, God, you got me through this, this is nothing. You got me from this, this is nothing. And I believe what God's doing in some of your hearts right now, he's causing you to go back to your first love, that God is not familiar with you, that you go back to your first love and remember the flame that started at the beginning and God is gonna cause you to be in a new, fresh relationship with him. Do you believe that? And so I believe today that we need to make some altars in our heart. Psalms 91, four. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. Say this with me. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Let's say it again. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. What protects your heart from getting bitter and dull? It's his promises. What protects your heart from getting tainted and weary? It's his promises. How many of you are thankful for his promises? His promises are found in his word, and they're yours because of what he paid for. Are you thankful for that? Number two, number two, if we want to stay faithful, if we want to remain, the second art of remaining is rest. Some of you, that spoke to you right when I said rest. You're like, ah, I need some rest. How many of you know that rest is a sign of trust? Rest is a sign of trust. His internal presence expels external pressure in our life. That's how we find rest is his presence in his presence. See, when we get out of sync with God, we become restless instead of rest. And this is the problem with this. When we don't have rest, we start striving in our own strength and we get burned out. I want to encourage you, Instead of being the person that struggles hard with rowing the boat, you need to learn to get with God and just set up your sail. Because you're wearing yourself out, doing things on your own, and you need to let your cell, your heart, get intimate with God, and he will bring you where you can't bring yourself. That wind is a lot stronger than your rowing. And if you need rest in your life, Listen, it is the secret is getting connected with God. And see, Abraham even had this issue. God said, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. It's going to come from Sarah. But Abraham got restless and Sarah got restless. And Sarah said, why don't you just sleep with our bond servant and she will give you a son. I don't know what Sarah's thinking. My wife would never say that. They got restless instead of entering into the the promise that God had. They wanted to do something in their own strength. And what they did in their own strength became a headache in the end. And God doesn't want you to do something in your own strength. God wants you to begin to live with him in rest. Say rest. See, the good thing is that God redeemed the mistake of Ishmael. This was the son that was born out of the bond servant God redeemed that, and and he redeemed it through Abraham's relationship with God. Now, I want to read this to you. I love this about Abraham. James 2.23, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. How many of you want to be a friend of God? Come on, a friend of God. The good news is, the Bible says, that God is no respecter of person. So you can't look to Abraham and say, oh, he was a friend of God, but I can't ever be a friend of God because God is not a respecter of person. We can be close to God as we want to be. And so how did God, how did Abraham keep this heart? How did God keep this heart? He's in a place where he's frustrated. He's restless. He already had Ishmael. But you see a secret in, God, in Abraham's relationship with God because Abraham was childlike with God. When you're childlike with God, it's okay to ask why. It's okay, it's okay, uh, well, let me repeat that. It's okay to ask God how. But it can taint you when you start to get bitter in wondering why. So when you start to ask God how, that is a pure heart of an innocent, heart towards God. God wants us to have childlike faith. When we get in trouble, we say, yeah, God, but how, why why am I in this situation? And bitterness comes to your life. I want to encourage you to keep a heart, a childlike faith. You know, sometimes the, the word of God seems like it contradicts itself, but it doesn't like for the scripture that says that the the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. And at the same breath it says, those that wanna have access to the kingdom of God must be childlike. Let me bring that together for you. I believe God wants you to be violently childlike. God wants you to violently keep a heart that is soft towards God, that you talk to God, that you don't just talk to him on Sunday, or during the week, like one day during the week. But it's a constant relationship with God. I, I, I want to read this, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. See, it's a difference between working from faith and working from fear. There's a huge difference. Working from rest and working from fear. Working from fear will wear you out. You might produce something but it just didn't come from God. And if it didn't come from God, then you're gonna have to keep it up. But when you work from rest, God begins to produce the fruit, and it comes from God, and he'll only increase that. And so we don't wanna be in a place that we're so restless that we don't have peace. A part of the kingdom of God is peace. Say peace. Peace Peace is rest in your life. Proverbs 3, five through six, trust in the Lord completely, And do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him, whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you need to go. So before you go to that board meeting, you're saying, God, lead me. If you're feeling unrest, you say, God, I'm feeling this this unrest. Can you help me? If, if, if you're having trouble with your marriage, you don't just try to do it on your own. And guys, we, we all know that we try to fix it, right? Your wife will tell you what, what she's feeling, and then as soon as she says what she's feeling, you've already got a strategy to fix it. We need some grace from God to not try to fix it, but just to Listen. Right, And God will give you wisdom, but a lot of times when it comes to things like our marriage, we say, oh, well, we'll do that on our own. That might be why you're working so hard. How many of you know when we go to God and we say, "God, I need grace. I need grace for my family. I need grace with my neighbor. I need grace with my boss." God, this is the way that I feel. I feel like I've been excluded. Some coworker that did you wrong. God, I need your help. You know, Paul said, "Pray without ceasing." You say, "How do you do that?" When you know that God has made a way, you don't have to do three steps to get to God. Jesus paid the price on the cross that you can go straight to your Father, full of boldness and confidence. Some of you are in such a religious mindset. You think you can only go to God after you've had three worship songs and four verses. God said, "I made a way for you to come straight to your Father, and whatever you ask, I will give to you." I don't know about you, but that's good news. I can go straight to my Father. When I go to my dad's house, I'm going to his house after uh, church. You know what I'm looking forward to do? Go straight into his house, not opening, not knocking on the door, and going straight to his fridge. Come on, somebody. When I'm at my dad's house, I don't ask permission to go to the fridge. I just go to the fridge. I don't know if it bothers him or not, but he's my dad, and he got used to it. After 40 years, I just go into the fridge. When you go to your God, you're not going to God as a beggar or a pauper. You're going to God as a son and a daughter, and you don't have to do the three or four steps that you think you have to do. God loves you right where you are, but he loves you too much to keep you that way. And God will begin to work with you, and you'll find a grace. The more that you turn to God, the more that you will find grace. Well, I got to study for this test. Pray about it. Let me let me read this to you. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Say, don't worry about a thing. Be saturated in prayer through each day offering your faith-filled request before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. So does God care about every detail of your life? He might even care about that stupid pimple in your head. Just talk to God about it. (laughs) Tell him every detail of your life, then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. Are you rowing and getting worn out? Are you setting up your heart, your cell towards God to begin to breathe on you and take you where you can't take yourself? God says, come to me, all who are weary, all that are heavy, and I will give you rest. When you're not feeling rest and you're doing things for God, check and see if that's religion. Because God says, when you come to me, all that are heavy, I will give you rest. God wants to give you rest today. You know, one one way that we get rest is sometimes you need to hit the reset button. That's why God instituted a Sabbath. I, I believe that every day is a Sabbath, but even before the law, God worked six days. On the seventh day, he rested. If the seventh day God rested, he didn't actually need rest. He's God. But he was showing us a blueprint. Sometimes you need to turn it off. Sometimes you need a reset button. And if you're going and going and going, see some of your most most powerful thing you can do is learn to say, no, I got to rest. If I don't rest, I'm not good for my family, I'm not good for anybody else. That's why when you're in the airplane and and they they give you directions, if you lose oxygen, put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then help somebody else because if you're running out of air, there's nothing you could do for them. That's why the Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself. You have to take care of yourself if you wanna begin to love your neighbor. And the Bible says, why try to win the whole world and lose your very soul? We have to learn to Sabbath. And Sabbath is not just sitting on the couch in your pajamas on your emails making sure that you got to do all the work or it's not going to get done. A Sabbath says, God, I trust you this day that you are handling the things that I can't handle today. I'm turning it off. Some of us need to learn to, who has an iPhone in here? Some of us needs to learn how to just get this right here. Let me show you something. There's two functions that I love on here. Number one, do not disturb. Number two, how do I turn this thing off? Number two, oh, it's the top button. God needs to work on me, Would we'll turn it. Could you try again? How do I turn off my phone? If your phone has Face ID, press and hold either of the volume buttons. I just learned something today. How many of you know we got to turn off the phone? Turn it off. You know, it's, it was kind of peaceful back in the day when you had no phone. Are they all right? I'm not sure. I can't do nothing about it. I'm just going to have to trust God. We, we put it in ourselves, right? I'm going to call them, make sure everybody's all right. Sometimes we just need to trust God. He's doing what God does, which is be in control. A lot of times, we want to be in control of everything, and the longer we try to be in control, we will find out that we're not in control. And you will get it burned out trying to be in control instead of setting up yourselves and let God blow you where he needs you to go. But if I don't do it, and if I don't grind, and if I don't, that is a Western mode. Let's try this, what Jesus said. Go to the birds and start to look at them. When's the last time you heard somebody you say, how you doing? Oh, I'm just... I'm just looking at birds. <laughs> Nobody says that. Man, I've been going, 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 I'm tired, I'm grinding, uh, you know, hashtag 100, hashtag a boom, hashtag get it done, hashtag, you know, but the truth is God says, hey, try this. Go out in the woods and look at some birds. <laughs> That's my kind of scripture right there. Because he says, I'm taking care of them. Go look at the lilies in the field. Look at the crazy colors. Look what I created. Look what I did. I want to remind you that I am God, and you are the apple of my eye. Quit trying to work so hard to control everything. I got you. I got you. When my daughter, my daughter the firstborn, I think it's a firstborn syndrome. I'm a firstborn. Leah's a firstborn. You kind of, I guess, you know, like when you're firstborn, you're like, you're harder on that first kid, like don't hit the counters, don't hit that. By the third one, you're like, I don't care what you do, just go, <laughs> go on the balcony of the, you know, go on the balcony, you'll be all right. <laughs> but the first one is like kind of, and, and if you don't watch it, uh, you know, um, a firstborn can like wanna do everything right. You know, I wanna, I wanna get it and you don't have to be, it's just your personality. I want to I get it right, and if I don't get it right, I don't want to do it at all, and, and, and I got I to gotta control, I got to get it done, and the truth of the matter is, God wants you to know <laughs> that he loves you, and he wants you to trust him. When my oldest, she was this way, Allie, she's 15 now, and uh, she uh, when she was a baby, we would try to, we'd try to give her a bath, and we would... We would try to put her in the water and she would like kick and scream. Wow, because she's going in the unknown. She's going in something she can't control. I would put her little toe in the water and she would freak out. She'd like slap me in the face. And I would have to say, I would have to say this mantra to her before I could let her down I would say, I got you. I got you. Daddy's got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. Before you know it, she would get in that water. And your father wants to tell you today, I got you. I got you. I know it's unknown. I know you can't control it, but I got you. And God wants you to come to a place of rest and come into full faith in God. And this is how we remain. Look at your neighbor and say, remain. Remain. Trey, come up. We're going to close in this. Number three. The third R, if we need to remain, if we're gonna remain, we have to be resilient, resilience. I want you to write this down because when I thought, when you think of resilience, you go right back to the opposite of rest. But this is not the resilience that I'm talking about. Getting it done, just, you know, Pull up your bootstraps and go. This is not the kind of resist resilience I'm talking about. I want you to write this down. Focus on your perfection in Jesus, not the mocking voice of performance. You are resilient when you focus on your perfection in him and not the mocking voice of performance. This is how Abraham got to where he was. You're not there yet. You're not there yet. Some of you, you're striving so much, you're thinking you're not where you need to be and it's getting you to a place where it's hard for you to be resilient because you're dealing with a mocking voice of the enemy saying you should be further along. You should be further along in your marriage. You should be further along in your finances. You should be further along in that ministry. You should be further along in that relationship. And I'm here to tell you, if you want to be resilient, start to see the perfection that you have in you that comes from Jesus, and don't listen to the mocking voice of the enemy. Expel the mocking voice of the enemy and begin to say, I'm the righteousness of Christ. God's got me right where he needs me. He's going to finish the work that he started in me. God is the author and finisher of my faith. He's going to finish this work. I don't have to finish it. He's going to finish it. And as a matter of fact, the enemy's got to go. You know, the Old Testament says it is a picture of the New Testament. And when Hagar and Ishmael that came from Abraham and Sarah, there was a rub that happened. And it speaks of this in Galatians 4. There was a rub that happened because when they got the true promised son, Abraham got the true promised son, his name was what? Isaac. When he got the true promised son, the thing that happened was the day that Isaac was weaned from Sarah, Ishmael started to mock Isaac, started to mock Isaac, Oh, you should have already been weaned. Oh, look at you. You 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 just now got weaned. You you he started to mock the performance or where Isaac was and Sarah and Abraham said, "We have to expel the mocking. We have to get rid of the mocking. You are not going to mock the promise. I expel you. And the Bible says that we should do the same in Galatians four. That we should expel the mocking of the bond servant. Expel the mocking of that that does not belong to you. That mess up is not you. You might have did that, but who you are is a son and daughter. Who you are is the righteousness of Christ. Who you are is not the mocking. You need to say, you can mock me where I am, but I'm better now than I was before. Thank God I'm not where I was. He's finishing the work that he started in me. (laughs) Expel it. Expel it. That's why the Bible says in Galatians 4, expel the law. You know, the Bible says that Abraham was right with God, right standing with God, which means the very state that you need to be because of his faith in Jesus. Can I tell you today that you're not right with God because of wrong performance? We're not right with God because of our wrong believing of him. Because it's our faith that makes us righteous. And this is the truth. When we believe right, we'll begin to produce right. When you're not producing right, see if you're believing Right. Quit focusing on the fruit and get to the root. I'm going to read you this, and we're going to close. Are you ready? Stand with me if you don't mind. I want to read this together. And if we can, lean into what this scripture is saying. Lean into what this scripture is saying. We're going to put it up, Romans three, twenty-two. Lean into what God is saying. And, and listen, this is not my words. This is God's words. This is for you right now. Look at your neighbor and say, this is for you. you. Let's read this together. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Just stop right there. How are you right with God? You are not right with God because of all that you did. You are right with God because of what he's already done. Let's go on. And this is true for everyone who believes. No matter who we are, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Man, if you believe that, you should just give God a hand right now. (laughs) I'm here to tell you, you are right in his sight right now because of your faith in Jesus. Don't focus on your failures. Focus on who he is. Focus on the perfection that he's already worked in you. And I want to read one more thing. And this is, for some of you, this is going to set you free. I want you to go back and study this after we read it. But it is in Hebrews 10:10 through 18. And I'm just going to read it. It says this, by God's will we have been purified and made holy once and for all through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus. Once and for all. Can I say that again? Once and for all. You have been made right. When you give your life to Jesus, your sin is covered. Your sin is cleansed. He gives you his nature and you're now in your faithfulness creating, you're perfecting your soul but your spirit is perfected. That is eternal life. My spirit is connected with God. Take away this earth suit and I'm right with God in my spirit, while I'm here on this earth, he is working out my soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions. But he's perfect, you're perfect in his sight. Do you believe that? See, this is speaking of, in the Old Testament, every time you sinned, you had to go get a spotless lamb and bring it to the priest. How many of you would be spending a lot of money You had to bring the spotless lamb, the, land ha- the, the the priest had to look at the lamb, and it would cover your sin, but this is the problem, it wouldn't take away your sin. It would cover your sin, you would be forgiven, but this is the problem, you would still have the guilt of sin. Now let's look at what the New Testament, what Jesus on the cross has done for us, made us holy once and for all through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus, the Messiah. Yet every day, priests still serve ritually, offering the same sacrifices again and again, sacrifices that could never take away sin's guilt. But when this priest, speaking of Jesus, had offered the one supreme sacrifice for sin for all time, say all time, he sat down on the throne at the right hand of God, waiting till all his whispering enemies are subdued. Some of you, God is calling your whispering enemies to be subdued. No more mocking voice, no more accusation. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. If he sets us free, you got to remind him where he's going. God wrote your book, and he knows the end of the, your story, and is good. We know the end of his story. And it says this. It says, until all the whispering enemies are subdued and turn into his footstool, and by his one perfect sacrifice, he made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. The Holy Spirit confirms this by this scripture. For the Lord says afterwards, I will give them this covenant. I will embed my laws into their hearts and fasten my word to their thoughts. And then he says, I will never again, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. So if our sins have been forgiven and forgotten, why would we ever need Offer another sacrifice for sin. You're like, I got to go to church because I got to get right with God. I got to do this because I got to get right with God. No, he's already paid the price. You were right in his sight when you believe what he did on the cross. And now you come to church full of faith. Now you read your word full of faith. Now you are faithful. Now you are faithful. Adam and Eve in the garden fell because They were unfaithful. Did God's word really say that? They were deceived by the word uh, or by the enemy. Did God's word really say that? God's holding out on me. And then they fell, and sin entered man, and unfaithfulness entered man. But I have good news. Jesus went back into the garden, and he said, not my will, but your will be done. And he bled, he he sweat blood from his brow that paid the price that all of our unfaithfulness goes on him, and all of his faithfulness comes on us. All of our sin went on him in that garden where we messed up in the garden, where sin entered man. Jesus reversed the curse in the garden and said, I'm bleeding, but I'm sweating blood to pay the price that what you deserve is on me. I paid for the rebellion. I paid for the stubbornness. I paid for all that that you've resisted. And now you're going to receive the benefits of my faithfulness. Not only the nature of my faithfulness, but the benefits of my faithfulness. And that's why even when I'm not faithful, he's faithful, and the benefits of faithful is grace. The benefits of faithfulness is protection. The benefits of faithfulness is promotion, and you get it not because of what you did. You get it because of the blood that Jesus shed. Come on, if you believe it, give God a shout today. Come on, if you believe it, give God a shout. Now I want to pray for everybody in here that you say, you know what, to be honest, I don't have a relationship with God. To be honest, I need him in my heart. We have a team praying, if everybody can close their eyes and bow their heads. Say this after me. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me and that you rose again. I ask you to come into my life from this day forward. I make you my Savior and my Lord. The Bible says when you said that prayer, your sins are as far as the east is to the west. They're no more. And that you become a new creation. All old things are passed away. All things become new. With everybody's eyes closed. If you said that prayer today, I'm not going to embarrass you. But can you just slip up your hand? I'm just going to pray for you. I see your hand. I see your hand in the back. I see your hand all over the room. You can put your hands down. Lord, we thank you that your word says when one turns to you, that all of the heavens rejoice. And today we wanna rejoice with you for those that have chosen to turn to you. Come on, Church 54 on the count of three. Let's have a party with heaven and worship God for those that turn their eyes to him today. One, two, three. Come on, give God a hand, give God a shout. One last thing before we close. I want you to do something with me. I wanna help you on the first step. How many of you wanna take the first step together right now so that we can take the next steps throughout the week? The first step is to remember, to remember. Today, can we remember what God did for us in communion? Just right on your seat, take the communion and right where you are, peel back this first layer. And this represents what Jesus did on the cross for us. And today you're saying, I'm going to remember what he did, I'm going to remember what he said, and I'm going to not only remember, but I'm going to take the bread, and then I'm going to take the wine, signifying that I'm believing that the blood of Jesus covers, cleanses, and changes me. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Can you say that with me? Remembrance of me. The first step if we want to remain, is to remember. Can we do that today? Pray with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for your body that was broken for me. Thank you that your body represents your word. Today, I receive your word. Everything that doesn't line up To your word is changed by your word. Thank you for your body. Come on, let's take that together. Come on, we're remembering. We're remembering. He says, take this cup. And when you take this cup, I want you to know, and I want you to be free of the enemy, knowing that my blood has covered you, my blood has cleansed you, my blood has changed you. I want to declare this over you before we take this cup today. And if you feel comfortable just with one hand, just lift your hand. If you feel comfortable, I'm going to declare this over you before we take this cup. By the blood of Jesus, you are delivered from the power of the enemy. By the blood of Jesus, all your sins are forgiven. By the blood of Jesus, you are justified. And by the blood of Jesus, you are cleansed. By the blood of Jesus, you are sanctified. Lord, we take your blood in this covenant, and we believe it in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, take that with me. We thank you, Lord, that today all chains of accusation have fallen. We thank you for healings today. We thank you for physical healing today. We thank you for mental healing today. Lord, we thank you who the sun sets free is free indeed. I believe God is healing ligaments even right now as we speak because of the blood of Jesus. Come on, heart disease is healed today. Right now, God is beginning to cause that sickness that has been keeping you up at night. He's healed you in the name of Jesus by his stripes. You are healed. You might not see it in the physical, but you're saying I'm the righteousness of Christ. I am made perfect and whole in Him. I thank you that broken relationships are healed right now. I thank you right now that bitterness just fell off of somebody. They got the grace to forgive. They got the grace to forgive their father that did them wrong. I thank you right now that that worry because of that financial strain is broken in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you that the crown of thorns went on your head to pay the price of thorns and lack so that we can be abundant. I speak abundance over you. I speak I speak faith over you. I speak freedom over you. I speak grace over you. I speak love over you. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, let your face shine on them this week. Be with them in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says amen. Come on, let's God an hand today.